You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks, we are here to talk all about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. It's going to be a fun evening to do a movie review. We got a great crew to join us. And of course, I'm joined by my podcast partner, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. How are you, sir? I am peachy keen. And uh, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a big one. Oh, it's bigger than it's been in many, many years. It's kaiju big. Oh, yes. Multiple kaiju. Multi-kaiju. Multiple kaiju big. Yeah, exactly. How would you say multi-kaiju? I don't know. But it should be a lot of fun to do, and it's going to be a good episode. And returning with us, we have a very familiar voice. Let's welcome Bobby Nash back to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. It, we thought it would be, you know, we're going big, so we can't go much bigger than Bobby Nash, you know. That's right. You, you, you know, hey, like like to quote the Hulk, big monster. <laughs> <laughs> How can you not get excited about big monsters? Big monsters are awesome. And, you know, to think of watching all of these monsters back on the big screen together, it's it was like, wow. And what not just, you know, Godzilla fighting just one monster, but many monsters. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, you know, it was that kid again oh, feeling. Very much so. As I, as I yeah. told a friend of mine after we left the movie, it was a true popcorn movie, you know. So, so you're saying that the movie with all the monsters is similar to the three of us reuniting on the station. Yeah. Okay. That sounds perfect. (laughs) Just trying to make sure. That makes this must listen podcast. (laughs) Oh, you have no idea. You guys have. Well, you know, there are some egos that are as big as uh, Ghidra. I have no idea True. who you're talking about. But you guys let me back on the station anyway. <laughs> well, the three heads of Bobby, you know. Yeah, we'll let the we'll let the listeners decide which one is uh, Ghidra, which one's Godzilla, and uh, which one's the others. The others. Mm-hmm. Hey, I figured I was being good. I didn't ask you to refer to me as King Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can make so many comments with that one. <laughs> I can. Wow. But we're not only talking about Godzilla tonight. We are actually going to also be talking to some new friends of the station, the podcast that, you know, I'm a big fan of. And a lot of other friends of the station are, and you might have heard their promo are on. It's called Face the Music, an electric light orchestra podcast. And they are sitting, Eric and Eric are joining us tonight. And they are going to be our victims this week in the Geek Seat. And so it's actually a lot of fun and a lot of entertainment talking all about Jeff Lynn's band. And, you know, it's pretty cool to do. So before we get started, of course, you can write us, let us know what you thought of Godzilla. You know, did you like it? Did you not? You know, mixed reviews so far from the critics, but everyone who's seen it has loved it, which is really interesting. So we definitely want to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. Where, of course, you could always call us at 404 963 9057. 
All right, let's get started with this week's rants and raves. We've got a few different things to talk about. And part of the reason we have Bobby up now, it's great to have a nice ESO reunion here, but it is also, you know, Bobby had a little thing he wanted to talk about with his books. Yes. Uh, well, we're doing, a, you know, we're, we're in the, the marketing phase of a lot of things and we're giving away uh, to one lucky listener of this week's show. We're giving away a audio copy of Snow Series 1, Volume 1, which is an audio book uh, with three books in it. Uh, you may remember uh, Stuart and I were on a few episodes back. He was in the geek seat. Um, Stuart uh, did the narration for all the books. And we're also going to give away, um, in addition to just the audio books, we're going to give away an ebook of Snowfalls, which is book one. Uh, to one lucky listener. Oh, that is awesome. Awesome. So how can people win this? Okay. Well, uh, the easiest way to work, what we're going to do is after this episode goes, goes live, I'm going to uh, ask anyone that's interested uh, in, in winning these things to email me at Bobby at Bobby Nash.com, which we'll have in the show notes. Um, I will collect, the winners, uh, I will collect all the, the entries together and we will announce it on next week's show. That is awesome. That is awesome. And we'll also have this up on our Facebook group too. So, mm-hmm. you know, definitely there's going to be different ways if you miss it, Bobby's little announcement here. And we'll also announce it again at the end of the show too. So, you know, we'll definitely yeah. have ways for people to get in touch with you. Yeah. So we're just trying to, we're trying to share the love and get the word out and, uh, hopefully it's kind of, it's kind of like dragon con. If you like it, we would love it. If you would leave us a five star review, um, on Amazon or Goodreads. If you don't like it, four stars, no five sarcastic stars. It's okay. Yeah. 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 So I haven't heard of the audio, but I mean, we had Stuart on, like you, like Bobby said a few we, uh, weeks ago and, uh, he was great. Um, perfect voice. I've read the first three books. They are awesome. And I'm not just saying that because uh, Bobby's on the show. Um, I definitely recommend them, and uh, it's a fun series, and I think a lot of people need to need to experience them. So, if if they're reading them, that's great. If they're listening to them, that's great too. No, that is awesome. Right. And God, Stewart's voice makes me sound like I don't have a deep voice. Oh, Stewart! Stewart is so good at these, and he does he does great inflections and gives each character a unique voice so even when he's 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 not just narrating in just his voice which is pretty cool he's giving all the characters their own individual quirks and different sounds and different tones it's just it's incredible that is awesome i get a, i get a kick out of listening to him when i when i first get on so yeah Stuart was awesome and bobby found a real gem there Yes, yes, it's been, you know, and he's been wonderful to work with, and we have more coming as, as more books come out, um, and he's he's just been incredible to work with, and uh, you know, we've had nothing nothing but solid reviews from the people that have listened to him already. So that is, yeah, so it's been good, fantastic, sir, and it's also great just an excuse to have you up on the network and the show. Yeah, absolutely. It's been too long since I've done like a whole episode. It's yeah, it's been getting rusty, getting rusty in my old uh, age. Don't talk <laughs> about old that? age with either any of us. You know? <laughs> Besides the uh, snow series, what's been keeping you busy? Uh, well, just just doing some work. Um, I'm uh, I am currently working on book five of the snow series. Um, 
in addition to some, some books for some other publishers. Um, uh, yeah. So there's always stuff in the pipeline. Um, I've got some new stuff with some older characters. I haven't written in a while, like Lance star sky ranger, which uh, there's a short story coming out in July. So that should be pretty cool. And uh, yeah, just keeping busy doing that. And, you know, in typical writer fashion, keeping busy finding excuses not to write. That I understand. <laughs> and, you know, and because, you know, when, when we were talking rants and, you know, I knew it was coming on for the rants and raise part. I was like, ooh, I can talk about Deadwood the movie. Or I can, <laughs> you know, all these things I'm, I'm watching while I should be writing. <laughs> and uh, but, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good, good, busy year. So I, I'm very thankful. And, you know, I talked to a new publisher today, oddly enough, about doing some work. So uh, fingers crossed that all works. That is awesome, man. I'm glad you're keeping busy because you're so, so yeah. talented. Well, thank you. Thank you. And I know the, so, uh, I know that a lot of the conventions you've died, uh, like you've sort of lessened those a little bit, but you're still doing a lot mm-hmm. of events. What have you got coming up? Um, well, I just came off of like, May was very busy. I had like five or six different events in May. I have nothing in June. June is empty. That might be the first month in 10 years. I don't have a convention or an event. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, but in July, I'll be back at the uh, Atlanta Comic Convention, the one-day show uh, that happens four times a year here in the Atlanta area. Um, I also have Dragon Con on the schedule. Um, you know, if there's one con, I'm not going to miss. That's that's generally the one. Absolutely. Um, and you, you've been to yeah. every one of them, haven't you? Almost. I, uh, they, the first one was in 86. My first one was in 89. Okay, gotcha. So I missed like the first three. Oh. Yeah, I missed the first three. And because I was still in high school when they started, and my parents were not going to let me go to this thing while I was in <laughs> high school. But once I got out of high school, they were like, you're an adult, do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and so that, oh, and also in August, our buddy Chris Hamer is putting on a show called Legion Comic Con, which I'll have a table at. Well, I've got some news so. coming up probably in the next week or so about Earth Station One being at that con. Very nice. So, so yeah, so so those three, and then I've got Multiverse, which is a science fiction fantasy con- uh, literary convention that'll be in uh, Atlanta in October. It's a three-day event downtown, uh, which I will be there for that. And as of right now, those four are all I have on my schedule for the rest of the year. That is awesome, man. That is awesome. So, Which is very light for me. But I'm hoping to take the opportunity while I'm home to actually, you know, write some stuff. <laughs> I'm I'm sure some of my publishers would, would, would appreciate that greatly. So yeah, so it's been it's been good. It's been good and busy. So I can't I have no complaints. Except yeah, well, you know, except they don't sell well enough. We gotta sell more. But, you know, I'm I'm sure even JK Rowling gets up in the morning and goes, Damn, we gotta sell more books. She'll just write some more Harry so, Potter books like she just did. Exactly. So. so that is awesome, dude. That is awesome. Thank it is great to have you here, sir. Yeah it's, yeah, it's good to be back. I, uh, I, I miss these. I, I miss doing this as often, you know, and you know, you do it every week. It starts to wear on you a while and you get tired. I mean, I know you guys <laughs> oh, don't no, know that. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. That's just crazy talk. And yeah, well, you know, and you know, a two hour episode, people go, well, what's, what's to do two hours a week. They don't, they don't realize the other 10 hours of the week that go into the two hours. 
So yeah, preaching to uh, the choir. <laughs> and you guys do multiple shows. <laughs> yeah, you guys are this is nuts. the first of three podcasts I'm on this week. Yeah, only th- only only three. <laughs> I'm only doing two. It's like yeah. these are that's a slow week for you guys. <laughs> well, you know, you know, gotta have to breathe sometime. So that is awesome. And I know you can also be seen on different TV shows and movies. Yes, yes, I've I've done a I've done a few things. Um well, I'll have to come back in October. I'm probably not supposed to say it, but I'll I'll give you guys a sneak peek. There is a there is a new version of Creep Show. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. Yes. Yes, it's been announced it's going to be on AMC's Shutter uh streaming. I appear in the first episode. There's two stories in every episode. I appear in the second story, and I believe it's the first episode. It's the second story, so I'm assuming it's in the first. Episode. That is awesome. So yes, I am. I am. I am. I am quite prominent for a few minutes in the. Well, in the as story. we like to say, you know, you're the reason we have a connection to Kevin Bacon, too. You know. Th- there you go. Well, I was. So it was fun. I worked on set for it was just one day, but it was fun. I worked with uh, some really cool people, which I'll, I'm sure I'll talk. You know, I can come back when it gets closer and talk a little where they won't smack yeah. me. Um, but uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, so it's I'm looking forward to that. That was a, that was a that was a ton. That of is awesome, man. So and I and I go back to work on a TV show that I've appeared on previously this Friday. Oh, congratulations. So. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. For us, uh, semi recurring role. So that should be fun. So I'm, you know, it'll be, a. am sure it'll be one of those blinking, you don't miss me things, but <laughs> you never know. Well, that's part of the fun of being an extra. Cause you don't know if you end up on the cutting room floor or if you mm-hmm. are actually in a scene and it's like, Oh, wait a minute. I know that guy. Yeah. Well, it's it's so funny. Like I, when I saw Godzilla, I posted on social media, "Hey, saw Godzilla, blah blah blah, liked it, blah 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 blah." There were a number of people who hadn't seen it yet who live in the Atlanta area going, "Did you see me on there?" <laughs> so I'm getting more people going, "Like, did you see me?" Than what did you think of the movie? Wow. <laughs> so uh, yeah, because most because you know that was all that most of that was filmed here in Atlanta. I did not know that. So, yes, yes, yes. If they were indoors. That was filmed at the studios right off Jimmy Carter Boulevard. Oh wow! Oh, the wait, does, wait, 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 wait! Time out. Does that mean you didn't stay till the end after the credits? Who me? No, me. Mike. Yeah, oh. of course they did, but I don't pay attention to what they say. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Because they had the they had that beach logo. That peach Which logo might yeah. not be there much longer. That's all. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll see how that goes, but. uh <laughs> You know, yes, I, 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 one of the things I am excited to talk about as we get into the movie review is seeing Mike's, uh, Gordon's come, cause you know, Mike is from Boston. And so seeing Georgia, you know, doubling his Boston, I'm curious if Georgia passes the double test there. So I'm sure we'll talk <laughs> about that. It's more not, as it's we... not, it's not on screen for that long intact. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> any place that looks like rubble can pass for any other exactly. place. So. <laughs> Well, there you go. Awesome. So, yeah. So, yeah. So that's fun. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'll, we'll talk more about Creep Show as it gets closer. But I, yeah, that that one that was pretty. Exciting. That is awesome, man. So, very much glad to have you on. It's gonna be great talking all about, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, in a few. 
But oh, before yeah. we do that, we have our Geek Seat segment coming up with Eric and Eric from Face the Music Podcast. Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Yes, yes, hello. Let's talk about the Flopcast. Every week we give podcast listeners a chance to come and join us in Chicken Town, Where we talk about Saturday morning cartoons, comics and science fiction conventions, music and concert reports, 70s and 80s pop culture, and for no good reason, chickens. Boy, we're weird. Oh, we are ridiculous. We're proud members of the ESO Network, and you can find us at Flopcast.net. everyone welcome back to the air station one podcast now it's time for the geek seat segment and this time we are being joined by eric and eric from the face music and electric light orchestra song by song podcast welcome to the show guys happy to be here happy to be here as well it's good to have you i've been listening to your show probably since episode 10 a friend of mine turned me on to it and he knew myself and my wife were huge electric light orchestra fans and we basically started listening to you and we had to catch up because mm-hmm. we didn't listen to the first 10. So we stopped where we were listening and we went back and started from the beginning. And you guys, you know, I want to find out how did you guys pick Electric Light Orchestra to do a podcast about? Um, well, I've been into ELO since June or July 1983. And I liked him before that too. But when I bought Secret Messages, a friend said, so is ELO going to be your group now? And I thought, you know, sure, why not? And um, I made the right choice because I love ELO. The more I looked into them, the more it's like, this band is pretty damn awesome. And, you know, I've loved them since 1983. Last few years, I would go searching out for a podcast. Is there an ELO podcast? Because that'd be really cool. But all I ever found were single episodes of certain podcasts they would just devote one episode to elo and that was it so it's just a matter of you know what i'm tired of waiting for somebody else to do this i'm going to do this myself i'm going to make my own elo podcast and i'll put it out there and if more than 20 people a week listen to it just that then that's not entirely bad so no that's pretty awesome actually and (laughs) You know, because it's there's not a lot of podcasts out there that go song by song by song by song. That what made you guys do it that way instead of just like okay, let's do these albums and have full discussions and such. Right. Um, the thing is, <laughs> I I didn't want to do a podcast that was going to be over in 16 weeks. Uh, being a fan, I would like a podcast that's you know going to last for a while. If I'm going to put my time into this, into listening to it, I want to, I guess, know that it's something that is worth getting attached to. So if I know this is going to be over in 16 weeks or however many albums ELO did, um, I'm not really going to be that 
you know, into it. I'm not going to just totally invest my heart into listening to this since, well, that's it. Done it over with. Moving on. Um, so that's why song by song, I, as an ELO fan, I want to go into these songs. I want to find these things out. I want to know the details. I, I would like to hear discussion about each song because I think each song is worth some sort of discussion. And um, also to keep it, to make sure that it stays short, at least under 15 minutes per song, because I don't have the attention span to listen to podcasts that go on for more than an hour. So that's... Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I won't tell you how long ours is then. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if we're going to be talking about each album, it's going to go on long. And also, again, on me, since I'm the one who edits this show... Um, I, it's takes a long, long time to edit an hour long show, putting in, you know, drops, cutting out our ums and ahs and stammers and, and just making sure that it's a show that's interesting to listen to. So there was also that too, for why it wasn't just album by album done no sh- over with quick and take a long time out of what I already have a busy week. So to edit down an hour or so podcast. No, it totally makes sense. How about Eric W? How did you get involved with this? Well, he put out a request for somebody to join him in the podcast. And I figured out why not, since he's doing most of the work, it takes a lot of the effort out of me. I just have to show up and provide a little bit of talent and sound better than him which is not that much of a chore. Exactly. (laughs) So, uh, plus also I bring, um, I think I bring a little bit more musical knowledge. Um, We do like some of the same, same things, uh, but he also hates quite a bit of what I listen to. (laughs) Oh, okay. And so uh, when I listen to a lot of ELO songs, I, I hear a lot of things in there that maybe he hasn't heard simply because turning it on suddenly gives him rage. And <laughs> yeah, I've got, and uh, I've, I'm a little bit more familiar with a lot of the influences. No, totally understand that. Cause I love how you guys go into that until, you know, it's just, you know, this sounds like the Beatles. This sounds like so-and-so, you know, all the different, influences that jeff has had for electric light orchestra and you guys go into the details and everything it's pretty awesome yeah when i put out the message on facebook you know i was like would anybody listen would anybody be willing to co-host it with me when eric chimed in and said yeah i'd like to do it i was like you know what that would be great because he's not a an elo super fan he likes elo he thinks he's they've got a lot of good stuff um but i am a, a pretty big fan and I didn't want the podcast to be just two people saying, Oh, this is the best song ever. ELO is nothing but perfect and dreamy. Cause that's a boring discussion. So it was nice to have Eric along so that to counterbalance my, this is the best song ever. And Eric's kind of like, yeah, you know, I don't mind it, but it's not really that great. Well, that's one of the things you guys don't agree on everything. And that's what makes it more interesting to listen to. Exactly. And then you have your critic at the end, of course. 
Oh, yes. Yes, Madeline, my seven-year-old stepdaughter, who is, I figured when I was putting this podcast together, I was like, well, what can we do? And I thought, we'll include Madeline in here. And I thought that she could represent the future of humanity as, you know, what the, what will the future of humanity think of ELO? And she's seven years old, and every week I play her a song, and she listens to it, and she says whether she likes it or she hates it. And so far, she likes a lot of ELO, which is I, I'm really glad to hear. So it's good that I'm having a, a strong influence on, on my seven-year-old stepdaughter. Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> you know, it, it really is, because... You know, most bands, a lot of bands kind of have a shelf life. And once that is over with, the younger generation drifts off to other music. And they're kind of like, music from the 70s. That's a long time ago. I really don't care too much about it. But, and this is something that I've noticed with ELO in the last few years. Younger generations, kids born in the 90s, are picking up on it. And they're like, hey, man, I really like ELO. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm, when I was in high school, and this was in the 80s, when ELO wasn't, you know, so long ago, I would say I like the Electric Light Orchestra. And 98% of the time, I would get back from people my own age, you like classical music? And uh, I would just kind of shake my head and walk away. That's the best thing you could do. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand when, that. Yeah, but when I went back to college in the early 2000s in my 40s and I and they say oh who do you like and I'd say I like electric light orchestra fully expecting to get you like classical music but instead from these kids to me in their 20s they're like oh I love ELO Mr. Blue Sky and Telephone Line they're freaking great so <laughs> it's great how ELO has made a resurgence and not just with you know people my age I'm trying not to say older people, but people who were alive in the 70s and 80s and, and heard them when they were new. These are people who were born after ELO fizzled out. Oh, sure. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, when Jeff went off to do his production work and such and producing albums and our traveling Wilburys type stuff. Yeah. So totally understand that. That's pretty cool, though. Honestly, I'm still agog by it because I just spent so many years in the 80s and 90s and most of the aughts just, you know, I like, I like yellow and, and just getting the blank stare. So it's just still like, that's so freaking cool. I can't believe it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's cool because, you know, it's something that you love and you're sharing it now with the world. Yes. And, yes. you know, and someday Jeff Lynn will actually listen. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. appreciates what we do and doesn't... Um... No cease and desist letters. Come on. That, that, that's what we're always concerned about here. I've, um, I've only gotten one, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, YouTube sends me um, copyright notifications. Um, most of the time, they say, okay, we'll allow this, but whatever you know, money comes in from... Or they're going to stick ads in there. And whatever, and they'll keep an eye on the hits, which isn't much on YouTube. Um, most of them haven't cleared 10, but whatever money comes in from that advertising goes to the copyright holders, except for the big hits. They'll send me a notice saying, no, we're not posting this. You can file a dispute. And I have, and I 
hide behind fair use because we're using clips of the songs for educational and critiquing purposes. So Sure. And that should be legal. Yeah. And I just got back today notices from YouTube saying, no, they're not going to buy that for those songs that you disputed. So we'll have to hide those videos because uh, the show is on Podbean and you can rig it so that Podbean, when your show posts, it'll automatically also post to YouTube. Right. So that saves me a whole lot of work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Trust me, somebody who's self-hosted like ourselves, (laughs) it is a lot of work. So how can people find you guys? I'm behind the couch usually. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. Along with Um, the sock. (laughs) Okay. I I don't know if we want to go that much. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there. Well, you're going in a completely different direction than I was with that. I was going for lost (laughs) sock. Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Podbean, uh, Mixcloud. We just ran out of space on uh, Podomatic. So, but Podbean for sure. Just do a Google search for Face the Music, colon, an Electric Light Orchestra song by song podcast, and links should pop right up. And go to the Podbean. We're also at, um, what is it called? Patreon. <laughs> Hey, yes. we're at Patreon, and for just at least $1 per episode, if you subscribe, $4 a month, you can hear the next week's episode a week before the rest of the world hears it, So, except for our bonus tracks episode, which is where we actually discuss the album and reply to comments about songs that we had just covered. So those we do album by album, and they're usually, I aim for an hour, sometimes they go a little over. So that is awesome. We will also have links for your guys' stuff in our show notes and also up on our Facebook page too. Cool. So people will definitely be able to find you and you might get one or two more listeners, you know. Hey, don't take whatever we can get. You know, our 10 10 fans would love to hear you guys. It it all adds up. Exactly. Sounds like 10 more than than that listen to my radio show. So, Hey, there you go. (laughs) Eric has a show. You should plug that show, Eric. While people yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's called Vinyl Casserole. It's every Sunday at 12 p.m. Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time on maxradio.ca. Oh, that is awesome. And yep. definitely give him a listen. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth listening to, folks. And the podcast is amazing. But, you know, we've been trying to calm you guys down and, you know, keep you guys nice and calm. But the real reason we invited you guys here is you guys decided to take a shot at the geek seat. I, 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 I am just a grab bag of geek interest. So, uh, there's, uh, for me to be cool, I, I, you know, I'd cool with the geek people because, mm-hmm. you know, model railroading, Legos, Doctor Who, Star Trek, Star Wars, old That's- radio. It's, I, Weird Al, it's uh, Dr. Demento. Um, that is nothing awesome. Nothing about me that's cool. <laughs> you know what? Every geek is cool in their own way. You're damn right. Exactly. Trust <laughs> me. And we love our geeks at home, so this is even better. Yeah. So you're going to be joining into greatness. And, you know, we've had celebrities. We've had artists. We've had musicians. We've had regular podcasters. We've had weird podcasters. We've had everybody you could think of as who we've had on the show has at least taken a shot at the geek seat. Some survive, some not so much, but you know, we've only had one person, you know, get into tears over it. So it's not too, too bad. 
That's okay. I'm a tough bastard. I can take it. All right. So are both of you guys going to do it or is it just going to be Eric Johnson? Uh, we're both going to do it. Yeah, awesome. I'm curious to hear what Eric uh, has to say. Okay. So first question in the geek seat. What was your favorite geek out moment? Well, my favorite geek out moment was finding copies of the Rolling Stones, Heart of Stone and Time Out of Mind at a thrift store for 25 cents a piece. Wow. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Those things are worth about $400, $500 a piece. So, yes. <laughs> you were like doing a happy dance in the store right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, mine was about a, a radio personality. Back in the early 80s, there was a guy in Phoenix on KZZP, morning man named Jonathan Brandmeier. And I happened to be listening on the day of his very first show. And like, as soon as I heard him, I was like, that. I want to do what that guy was doing. I was 11 years old and he was having the time of his life and getting paid a lot for it. And I listened to every one of his shows and he moved on to Chicago in 1983. But I've always wanted that first show. It's like that, that moment that many people have where something just grabs you and it's just, I must, that just leaves a huge mark on your life. Some people, it may have been the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, you know, so that's sort of my Beatles on Ed Sullivan moment. But I figured the only way I'm ever going to find that show is if I steal a TARDIS or break into Jonathan Brammeyer's house and rifle through his old tapes. But one of my, fra- one of my Facebook friends is Steve Goddard, and he worked with Brammeyer back on uh, KZZP. He is just a radio pack rat. He's worked at so many stations and he's got so much cool stuff. He's just a a radio history dump. And going through his stuff, he happened to find full with commercials, news, and music. Bram Meyer's very first show that I have been looking for since February 10th, 1981. Wow. You got to get that to me. So he hasn't gotten to it yet, but he says... Yeah, I'm going to get this to you. Don't worry. I got to, I got to get your stuff together and you'll be getting this. And I'm I'm just just that sent me into a super geek out moment, but the moment that thing winds up in my inbox and I start listening to it, I I am just going to geekasm like like nothing. It's going to be it just blows my mind to think that after almost 39 years of wishing I could hear that show and thinking that's not going to happen. I, oh my God. Finally, it's, it's on its way to happening. That is awesome, man. Yeah. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. What was your most disappointing geek out moment though? As for me, uh, the Phantom Menace. <laughs> You're not alone on that one. I went in thinking I've been waiting 16 years for this. And then I came out thinking, I waited 16 years for this. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was the original Stargate movie. Really? Yeah. Not, not the series. I loved the series. And I loved, I loved actually all the series that came out for that thing. But the original movie, I had seen the trailers for, and I was going, Oh my God, this has so much excellent stuff. And it. it looks like it's going to be the most original thing on earth. And Saw it on a press pass and uh, was glad I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah, wow. this is long before I was really um, 
where I really knew a lot about Roland Emmerich and how a lot of his movies can be rather disappointing. <laughs> so, okay. And you yeah. probably, when they announced the TV series, you were like, why are they doing that? <laughs> exactly. And at first I didn't watch it, but then after, when it moved to sci-fi, I started watching and I was, oh, this is so much better than the movie ever was. Totally understand that. Yeah. Totally understand that. What geeks you guys out the most? For me, it's that feeling when you hear something new, and it really, it really gets you that you're listening to some, that you're listening to, or watching something, or reading something that you know is historical, and you know you're getting into it on the ground floor. Uh, you rarely get that feeling when you get older. It's more something you feel when you're a lot younger and you're really discovering things. So it's always nice when you're uh, when you're in your 40s to still find stuff that's actually new, even if it might not be new to everybody else. If it's new to you and it really grabs you, that's that's my favorite uh, type of thing uh, when it comes when it comes to uh, geeking out. Sure, that's actually pretty cool. I kind of like that. Okay, <laughs> um, for me, it's Legos when I get the email in my when i get the you know when i get the notice in my email that lego is having new sets and i look through on their website and say oh that is so cool i gotta have that set oh i gotta have that one oh my god and i in my apartment in phoenix um since i moved to illinois my wife has a small apartment there's no room for it it's in storage but we're gonna get a house and i'm gonna put it all back out but i had a lego land in the living room of my apartment that took up half the space there were Lego trains that went through the living room into the bedroom under my bed, back out into the living room. So I Legos totally send me off to like, oh, I got to have that. That is so cool. I can't wait to build that and put that in my Lego land. That's going to be so neat. So, oh, that is awesome. Yeah, that is cool. So do you go to like the shows and everything? Um, I, I did go to the comic con in Phoenix in 2012 and I, I thought the ast- I thought the coolest things there were the astromech droids and the big Lego setups. I thought that were those were cool. We there's a a Lego show that's coming up August, I think. And um money willing and if we all have the day off, yeah, I think we'll go to that. So that would be awesome for you. Mm-hmm. What turns your geek off? Pandering. <laughs> <laughs> honestly uh i've seen so much pandering to generation x when we were growing up i see so much pandering to millennials now and when it comes to geeks since geek culture is almost mainstream culture now i see so much uh it's just they try to gear all this stuff all these collector's items all these movies and everything to try and capture something that you can't really capture using math and using consumer uh consumer planning or i'm trying i'm trying to think of the word here uh surveys uh you can't you can't really capture it the way you would organically about everything that's ever grown in geek culture and cult movie culture and everything else has always been it was there somebody discovered it and everyone else went, oh, yeah, this is great. It wasn't, hey, guess what I've got for you? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, 
you can add that to the list of reasons why I couldn't stand the Big Bang Theory. It, it, oh, God. It, it oh, did yeah. feel pandering. It was, too, it was yeah. too easy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what my turn? What what turns my geek off is uh, honestly, it's a recent thing. It's when people kind of use what your geek is as a way to control you. Uh, back to the radio thing, KZZP in the early '80s kind of has a, a a latch on my nostalgia in me, and it's not just Brandmeier shows. If you, if you've got like a really good air check of one of the DJs that I liked that worked there, I, you know, give it to me. And I had a, a associate, <laughs> another loon who for KCZP and he had a Dave Otto show and it was his last show on KCZP before he left and Brammeyer came in and I was like, Oh, cool. Send that to me. He was like, okay, but you have to tell Dave Otto that I have this show and tell him that if he wants it, he can email it to me or he can email me. And when I hear from him, then I'll give you the show. And I'm just like, oh, just give me the damn show. Don't make me jump through hoops and be your little puppy dog because he wanted the credit. And I'm just like thinking, I, I, it's a radio show from 1980. What, what are you going to get? What am I going to steal from you by just having, having you ship that show to me without going through, you know, all of this stuff? I, yeah, it's, it's not like, hey, babes. Hey, 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 people. I got Dave Otto's December 19th, 1980 show. Let's start making, yeah, let's start bringing in that money and babes that this kind of thing gets you. It's like, mm-hmm. right. Just so. So I got mad. And he was like, you know what? Don't ever write to me again. And I'm kind of like, you know, I'm good with that arrangement. Especially wow. now that I have Steve Goddard, who was a bottomless pit of radio archives. So I've, I've got better friends who don't like, you know, get some sort of power trip on over. I have something you want, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Ugh, I don't like yeah. people like that. Yeah. I totally agree with those. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Both of you guys did great. All right. Oh, you've made God. it halfway through you guys. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? Mine would be commander Vimes from uh, the disc world series. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's, probably the most fleshed out and uh, human of any character in that entire series. And I just like to basically check in to see where he is now, because since Terry Pratchett died, there's not going to be any more Discworld stuff. Uh, at least it doesn't sound like anybody's going to be ghostwriting any of it, which is completely fine by me because looking at how Dune turned out with ghostwriting. Yeah. It can just be left where it is. But yeah, it would be nice to meet meet him, see see how he spent his retirement years, and hear a lot of the stories about what happened. Uh, second place would be from the same series, which would be Death, but for certain reasons, I don't really want to meet him too soon. No, no, no. That could also be the answer to your next question, too. <laughs> right. Um, I would love to meet the Doctor, either Doctor David or Doctor Matt. Uh, both of them. I, you know, I'm not gay, but. Uh, Dr. David makes me swoon and Matt is so dreamy that it's kind of like, ah. <sighs> but yeah, they, as far as new who's, they were my favorites and it looked like it would be other than escaping death every three or four minutes, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you wouldn't be the same afterwards. Uh, no. And I think for, well, I was about to say for better reasons, but then I remembered what happened to the, uh, to donna and uh 
Yeah. Yeah. But maybe I'll fare better than her. Hopefully. You won't have, uh, you know, at least if you remember everything, your head won't explode. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. What fictional characters would you like to meet the least? Uh, The least one I'd probably want to meet would be in Yarlathotep. Because he's the only elder god that really uh, interferes too much with humanity. And if you ever read uh, The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, he likes to sit there and talk and talk and talk. <laughs> so I'd be bored before he tried to even kill me. I'd, I'd probably be asleep by the time he tried to kill me or something. <laughs> totally understand that. All right. See, this is why this kind of sort of sets up the dynamic of our podcast. Uh, as you can see, Eric is very smart. And that's... Uh, he. And as I explained in our very first episode where we were introducing each other, Eric knows things. Eric's smart. He's done lots of reviews. He's, he's, he's good with the wording and stuffage. Me, I'm the rube who thinks the song makes me happy, so I like. So I think that uh, Eric's answer is kind of prove it here because he's saying things and I'm kind of like, what? Who? <laughs> so, as for the character I would least like to meet, um, I'm thinking Darth Vader. He, I tend to crack wise about pretty much almost everything. He doesn't strike me as someone who has a sense of humor. So I know I'm going to make some sort of crack about him. And that's it for me. I'm choked and lightsaber th- flung through me. And that'd be the end of me. He'd make short work of me in a short time. I could see that, you know, Darth Vader is one of our number one answers. Yeah. So could understand that. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, or quote? Well, one of the other things I geek out of, I geek out over is cooking shows. So I've been going through all my old episodes that have gathered of uh, Food Network Star. So one of the favorite favorite quotes out of that was uh, the 2017 season, I believe it was. Uh, a guy named Jason won, and his one of his little things was "Butter my butt and call me a biscuit." <laughs> I've heard that one. Yep. <laughs> well, there's something else I can add to my fetish list. I've never tried that. Sounds interesting. <laughs> um, nerds is one I say a lot. Nerds. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or pounded that, pounded okay. out your porthole. I seem to get a lot of my geek phrases from Frank Burns when he's angry. It just seems like can the balloon juice or pounded out your porthole. Or, hmm, I may say like a little that. bit too much right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is the first time anyone's ever quoted Frank Burns on this uh, ser- uh, podcast. So, um, he's he's very quotable. <laughs> he is. <laughs> yeah. What is your ideal geek occupation? Antique store with a nice, healthy record section in it. Ooh, I like that. I do too. I <laughs> do. <laughs> wow. Um, but uh, my ideal geek occupation, I think, would be somebody who builds vast lego cityscapes and just that's the kind of thing i want you know i always wanted to be a highly just come into a huge bucket of money so that i could afford to build like i don't know just a set a whole wing of the house or even just a, a warehouse where i could have it filled with this huge lego land including giant skyscrapers so if i could get a job building giant lego cityscapes that that'd be sweet that is awesome. Mm-hmm. That is really, really awesome. But what geek occupation would you not like to do? 
video game coding. Oh my god! Ugh. Oh, sitting there at a computer, <laughs> being sitting there typing in code after code after code, while you got somebody standing behind you like an overseer whipping you up, <laughs> paying you uh, seven bucks an hour. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> and actually, high tech is our number one answer on the show. Uh, I don't think I would like to be canon canon executive for Star Trek because it seems like <laughs> they don't listen to you. No, no. Star, the Starfleet did not look like that ten years before Kirk and Spock. Here's the cage. This is what it looked like. If you want to do your show to look like this, why don't you set it after? the next generation or, or, um, or the, uh, or Voyager. Nah, we're not going to do that. We're just going to make it look all futuristic. That does not fit in with the timeline that we say this is at. So didn't they come up with something in discovery where you could beam across the universe or something? Mm-hmm. Don't go there. Don't. Okay. <laughs> no. I, I, I haven't watched because I, uh, I haven't wanted to pay the money to watch it, even though Picard is now, interesting me though yeah of um, course yeah i lost interest after the third episode because it seemed to be moody and brooding and dark and everybody was cranky with each other and they're fighting and it's just that's not star trek yeah and then the I orville was much better star trek than star trek sounds, oh, I love more, like orville. sounds more like Zack snyder's universe instead mm, yeah so yeah orville is awesome though oh i love so, the orville orville has been a lot of fun mm-hmm all right. Are you guys ready for your final question in the geek seat? Yes. Do it. All right. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? And just try to remember, we are a family-friendly show. <laughs> okay. So none of none of my fanfic about Kate Bush. Okay. Um, you tell me about that later if you want. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Notting Hill stuff would be interesting to hear. <laughs> ultimate geek fantasy is to find a copy of a residence record called Santa Dog sitting in somebody's estate sale for a dollar. <laughs> if if for just for reference, it typically goes for about two to three thousand. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. That, that's impressive. <laughs> uh my geek fantasy is actually probably pretty popular. I would love to have a TARDIS. Uh, not only just for the space to set out a huge Legoland and have a huge record collection. Um, I've always been interested in history, past and future. I think it would be great to actually go to actual historical moments, actually see them and and experience the moment there and not just in a book or on a TV show. And I'd like to know what's coming in the future, especially maybe Saturday with whatever Powerball numbers are drawn and then come back. Well, the doctor already did that with Donna, so he did do that. Yes, yes. So that's so. that would that would be another perk of traveling with the doctor. Um, so I think it would be, I I would just love to travel through time and oh, and also get all those Jonathan Brandmeier shows that I missed, and then maybe mm. dangle them in front of that guy. Eh, eh. You want these? Eh. So if you something, so Eric, if you had the TARDIS, what shape would your TARDIS be in? Hmm. Would Family it be- friendly. Would it be the, yeah? Would it be the ELO space station? Would it be you know something Lego? Would it be the the phone book? Um, see, that's a tough one to pick. I do love the classic design of the uh, police box, but uh, assuming I had a fully functional TARDIS with the chameleon circuit working, 
uh, wouldn't be something to think about. What would I, that's, you know, that's so, something that I never actually gave thought about. Well, we can have you um, on our Doctor Who podcast sometime and you can answer that. I can, I can ponder this one over and see what I come up with. Yeah. Yeah. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I've got great news. You've made it through the geek seat. Congratulations. Ooh, is there a check involved? <laughs> you guys are funny. You know, we Did you say give... chick involved or check involved? <laughs> we usually do give uh, currency, but it's all in station funds. So it's only worth something up here on the station. Uh, I was hoping mm. for skee-ball tickets. Oh, I know, I know. That, that's two floors down, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, we do have that available for you. But thank you guys for joining us so, so much. Uh, one more time, you know, you want to promote the podcast? It's Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast. New episodes upload midnight Eastern time every Saturday. Um, uh, by the time you hear this, we'll be starting starting to cover the songs from Out of the Blue. So their big album that a lot of people love. And, and some people not give any, hate. And I will not say... I'll not give any spoilers other than that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Actually, while I have you guys here, one quick question about the podcast itself. Mm-hmm. How far are you guys going to go? Are you going to go all the way to, like, Wembley Live? Or how how's that going to work? Um, for a while, I was – I didn't know which. Do, do we cover live albums or not? Because what are we going to be able to say about these live versions of songs we've already talked about? And I decided we will just do uh, The Night the Light Went On in Long Beach. Because right. I think that was a good spot for just reviewing what we've been through. Because after, on the third day after that album, they were like a completely different band. So I just, and then I thought, well, if we cover that, do we have to cover all the live albums? And then I looked into Wembley and Bust. It's like 30 tracks. <laughs> I don't want to spend 30 weeks covering songs we've already talked about. So I was like, all right, just the light went on to Long Beach, and from um, from Wembley or Bust, just handle with care since there's no ELO version of that prior to that. So, but my plan is every single song that ELO ever released. This includes bonus tracks, however great or tedious or short. And I hear there's going to be a new ELO album in October, so. Add that That's to a plus. the list. Yeah. So um, as as long as ELO albums keep coming out, we'll keep doing episodes up until the last released ELO song. Or that, one of us or both of us die, whichever comes first. Or go off in the TARDIS. Yeah. Or, or the lawyers say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, about what you've been doing, here's a bill. Oh, 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 oh do <laughs> yeah. I, don't want to think about that. Yeah. Well, well, Eric and Eric, it's been a mm-hmm. pleasure to talk to you guys tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, oh, you. thank you. It's been fun to do this. Well, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment, and we are reviewing Godzilla, King of the Monster. Hey, 
everybody. Michelle here with the Iconic Rock Talk Show Moment, saying goodbye to a very unique artist at a time when we don't have a lot of truly unique artists coming around. Uh, Leon Redbone passed away this past week at the age of 69. Uh, He was a fellow with the little mustache and goatee and the Panama hat, uh, one-man vaudeville, Tin Pan Alley uh, revival artist. Um, He was on SNL a bunch. Um, He had a top 100 hit with a song called Seduced. He was in a bunch of commercials. There was a Budweiser one especially. He was the voice of Leon the Snowman in Elf. He sang the theme song with Zoe Deschanel. He also did the theme songs for Mr. Belvedere and Harry and the Hendersons. And his his real background that he never spoke about, uh, even that was unique for the music industry. He was born in Cyprus, and his real name was Dikran Gobalian. So a tip of the fedora to uh, Leon Redbone. And of course, the Amazon Prime series of Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett's Good Omens is out now. I'm sure you have all checked it out. And for you collectors, there's a four-disc vinyl set of the BBC radio series from 2014 by Dirt Mags of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fame. Uh, This is the first vinyl release. It's exclusive to Amazon UK. Uh, Retails for about $99 in U.S. funds. Um, It will be released on the 2nd of August. It features four 180-gram vinyl albums with a laser-etched B-side, black and white vinyl, a 16-page hardcover book, uh, sleeve notes written by Neil Gaiman and Dirk Maggs. There's 500 of them, and they come with a print signed by Neil Gaiman. Uh, We haven't talked about box sets in a while, so a little return to box set news. And, of course, uh, by the time you hear this, Rocket Man, the uh, Elton John biopic, will be out. Uh, we will be talking about that on the podcast for, on the week of June 10th. Can't wait. Uh, until next time, the blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and we will see you later. Did you know the ESO Network has a brand new Patreon? That's right. We're asking for your help, and you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Don't fret, all your favorite shows will still be available for free as always, but now you can get exclusive podcasts and more not heard anywhere else but on our Patreon. To sign up for the ESO Network, Patreon's easy. All you have to do is click on the link on the top navigation of the ESO Network website or go to patreon.com slash ESO Network. With your support of the ESO Network, it's you who will reap the rewards. What we are witnessing here is the return of titans. How many of these things are there? Seventeen and counting. That's messed up. (laughs) Mothra. Rodan. Ghidorah. Oh my. They're moving like a pack. They're hunting. They all respond directly to an alpha. We stop this Ghidorah. We stop them all. Is there another creature that might stand a chance against him?
this, we set Godzilla free. Oh, yeah, sure. Let's bring him in for a beer. No, this time we join the fight. Run. Godzilla's world. We just live in it. Damn right. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it's time for Godzilla, King of the Monsters. King of the Monsters. This is the third Godzilla film to be completely produced by a Hollywood studio. It's also... I think the the third movie in the in the new MonsterVerse, yes, from uh, Legendary Films. So uh, yeah, so there's a, a lot of threes here, um, and actually, it's uh, reminiscent of an older, actually, the first Godzilla movie that when it debuted when he debuted in uh, the United States was subtitled King of the Monsters. So uh, got a lot of history behind it, and uh, you know, if if anything. Uh, History shows again and again how nature points out the folly of man. So, uh, so we have a good crew to talk all about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Of course, Ashley is here. Hello. Feels like it's been a little bit since we've had a movie to chat about, so it's always yes. nice to be back. It's a uh, yeah, I know we're back. Uh, we're we're going into the the, the we're going around the curve again because we've got a few coming up. Yes. Yeah. We all survived the end game, and now we're on to the rest of the summer. Absolutely. And Alex Autry is back with us. Oh, hi. All right, Alex, you know, I got to ask you about the box office. How How is Godzilla doing box office wise? Let's talk the numbers, shall we? Um, so coming off of last week, which, you know, it, it the Memorial Day weekend, the, the opening film made like $125 million. Uh, this one, or did 90 million, excuse me, for the three day. Uh, this one did about half that with 47 million. Uh, all of the predictions for this indicated 49, uh, 49 to 50. So this is a little underperforming right Hmm. at the moment, uh, at least domestically. Now, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure how it's done overseas, but, uh, I suspect it's probably tracking about the same. Um, but this, do you think it's because of just the steep competition? I think there's a lot to do with that. Aladdin managed to uh, Aladdin dropped fifty four percent from the previous week, which actually is a solid number uh, when you compare it to other Memorial Day films. You mean that bomb? Yeah, that bomb. <laughs> 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 Would you okay. believe missed it by that, that much? much? Yeah. So Godzilla opened in actually 75 markets uh, around the world, and it pulled in 130 million worldwide. So it's actually doing rather well for itself overseas while getting the, you know, big lizard niche market that it's got in the U.S. Um, the Godzilla films don't exactly jump out in, in regards to the mainstream audience. A lot of people go see them because they're popcorn fair 
or because they're really into giant lizards stomping on Tokyo. And, and to be fair, the last, you know, the, certainly the monster verse is, it's off to a decent start, but it's not, it's not breaking a lot of box office numbers. It's, it's doing okay, but I think critically as well as fan, it's, there's some, there's some debates there. It's needing to find its real hook. And, but the MonsterVerse films are doing comparatively as well as some of the second tier Marvel movies. Hmm. So you, mm, go ahead. No, no, I was just about to ask. Um, now I don't know if you have a, a know a history of like monster movies or Godzilla movies in particular, but I'm just wondering how this one does is doing compared to um, all the others. Now um, that one, of course, that was. Uh, <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it, but the Matthew Broderick one, I think was insanely huge, right? Uh, yeah, it didn't do bad for itself. It's, op- um, the, uh, uh, that was from, uh, from Sony. That one overall did $136 million. It's opening weekend was $44 million, which is about on par with this one. Okay. All right. Especially well, wow. considering that it was 23 years ago. Yeah, and and when you look at uh, at the 2004 Godzilla, or 2014 Godzilla, I should say, um, Godzilla King of the Monsters did not do as well. It actually opened up at $93 million hmm. uh, and finished at $200 million. This one probably going to finish about maybe $150 um if it if it gets there it might it might only hit about a hundred thousand or under a million and certainly like the wow. marketing uh on this one is not nearly as uh as 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 much as it was for uh that one uh with matthew broderick and all yeah um but, kind of everywhere yeah but enough about that one um so let's talk about this one uh, going in. What were your thoughts and overall, did it live up to your uh, expectations? We'll start with our guest on the show, Bobby Nash. I, you know, I, I enjoyed the last Godzilla movie. Okay. But I remember one of my frustrations was how much they teased the monsters instead of showing the monsters. And I had this fear that that might be the case again until I saw this, this one article that where the critic complained that there was too much monster fighting. And then I, I, th- I think that might've been one of the best marketing things they could have hoped. Yes. For. Cause suddenly I was very excited for this movie. <laughs> and so, but I went in not knowing what to expect. Um, hoping, just hoping for some good monster beatdowns. And they gave me exactly what they promised, you know, a bunch of monsters fighting. And, yeah, it was just, it was such a, it was just a good movie. I just, I kicked back and, you know, just enjoyed, enjoyed the ride. And, uh, now just real quick, what's your history with like Godzilla and other kaiju movies? Yeah. I, I'm no expert. Like, I don't know the, like some of these monsters, I've heard their names and I've seen the movies, but I don't know much about them. Um, I, I remember watching Godzilla. The Godzilla was like Saturday matinee, like, or Saturday afternoon stuff when I was a kid that would be playing on like TNT or whatever channel played monster movies. Um, and so I would see them that way. Um, but, uh, like I don't own any of them. I probably haven't seen many of them since I was a kid. So, um, so just going at it from that, I had, 
you know, I've heard of Mothra, so I've heard of, you know, Rodan, I've heard of, you know, I've heard of these other, other monsters. So I, I had that familiarity, but I, I don't know any other histories or anything like that. Yeah, I think I think this serves as the Hollywood studio debut for uh, the aforementioned Mothra, Rodan, and Ghidra. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, because um, Mothra was just teased in the last one. Right, right. Yeah, all of them yeah. were. Uh, well, they were just teased in, yeah, and they were kind of like teased in, in Skull Island as well. Mm-hmm. But um, All right, Ashley, what about you? Yeah, so um, thinking back to that 2014 Godzilla movie, there were some things that I enjoyed about it, but I remember being disappointed because it's called Godzilla, and I feel like we didn't get to see nearly enough Godzilla. They spent a long time building up to it, and then there wasn't actually as much monster fighting as I was expecting. And the human characters were pretty one-dimensional, not a lot compelling there. So um, I hope that this movie would kind of improve upon that. In terms of the monster fighting, it definitely did. Um, I just had a big grin on my face anytime the monsters were fighting on in the middle of this movie. I think they definitely took the criticism to heart from the previous one. I heard a lot of people mention that they wanted to see the monsters on screen more. And that was just fantastic. I mean, watching Godzilla fighting the three-headed dragon creature, they've got lightning and radiation like shooting out of their mouths. Like it's just over the top and wonderful. And I loved all of that. Um, The part that kind of disappointed me again is that the human characters are just pretty forgettable and of course people are mainly here to see the monsters that's what we all mostly want to see in this movie but just anytime the humans were on screen I felt that the film dragged a little bit and if they could nail that I think that's an important part of the story too even though we mostly want to see the monsters if you're not caring as much about the human characters around them, that kind of lessens the movie's impact. So I had fun watching it, but probably not one I will necessarily rush out to see again. And if I do, I'll probably wait to DVD and again, just fast forward to the parts where the monsters are fighting. (laughs) Yeah, I I understand that completely. On, On the other hand, it'll have to be a whole new cast for the next movie because these people were exposed to so much harmful radiation <laughs> that is unfortunately probably true. Yeah, yeah. I suspect they'll all be glowing at night. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> their days are numbered. That is sad, sad but true. <laughs> I'm sure that will be addressed. I'm sure. Wink. No, uh, Alex. What about you? Um, okay. Okay. So I want to jump back to a different kaiju movie, and I want to jump back to Pacific Rim. Mm. And and here's why. Here's why I want to jump back to Pacific Rim. When I was going into Pacific Rim, I literally said to the person I was going to see the movie with, if a giant robot hits a kaiju in the face with a tanker shirt with, with, with a boat with a boat, <laughs> I'm gonna be happy. And and this was the same kind of attitude I came in with this one. Um, yes, we, we have a whole batch of, of new characters to deal with. We no longer have the married couple of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. And let's just remind everybody how weird that was. Um, <laughs> so with this one, I you know, the, one of the big problems with the series is the, is the, the, the lack of real depth with the characters. Um, as far as the humans go, but again, they're not the focal character. They're not the main point. 
Agreed. No. I, I, so, so going into the film, I was kind of like, I'm ready to see just some real good throwdowns and see what they do with it. And from that aspect, I got what I wanted out of it. Um, it's a funnel cake movie. It's a funnel cake movie. It's fun to digest and ultimately leaves you with nothing. I love, That's a good way to put it. I love that analogy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's funny because when I went to see it, I was walking out. I said that it was a good popcorn movie. Right. And that's what it was. Yeah, there, there, there are opportunities. Well, the funny thing is, is that like the, the monster movies in general came from a time of fear. The aspect of uh, the atomic bomb. And, and the fear that comes from that and the responsibility from that. Uh, the, the Godzilla movies a lot of times have a political uh, turn to it. Um, these, you know, the aspect of the, the Titans being there to protect us uh, is, is a fascinating concept. But it refers to, it ref- in the movie, they actually use the phrase, you know, we would be his pets. And that is very, very accurate with the depiction of this film because as the humans in the film, they're pretty much treated as animals on the screen. There really isn't a whole lot of development for them uh, to even go off of. So in the long run, I don't know if that hurts the film. But I will tell you, with the right audience, this movie slays. They, we had a great crowd when when I went uh, Saturday night. People were cheering in the right spots. People were gasping in the right spots. Um, the the appearance of Mothra got open oohs and ahs hmm. in the theater I was in. It was a great experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, I and see, I you know, being here in Georgia where it was filmed, there were a lot of people that laughed too when they found out that there's something living in Stone Mountain. The Stone Mountain line was wonderful, and it makes sense. <laughs> I was curious to see what would have come out of Stone Mountain. Wonder if it would have had a big long beard or something. You know, Very, it would have white trash. There, That's all it there's was. There's your sequel right there. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what about you? Uh, See, I came from a little bit of a disadvantage because recently I watched the Shin Godzilla movie, and mm. which was amazing. It was truly amazing because it's basically a Godzilla movie, but it was from the people's point of view, not the monster. And I loved it. I loved every second of that movie. And at the end, it actually made me have like an oh crap moment and because of the monster evolving and everything and then we came to this movie and i have to agree with everyone what i've heard so far it was a fun popcorn movie like i said but there was not i could have done without any of the people in it i won't remember one character in it and even you know 11 from stranger things was forgettable and they were basing a lot of the previews around her yeah. And I thought she was 
by the way, the previews are very misleading. Yeah, very yes. much so. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I don't think, like, that first opening teaser uh, where she's kind of crying and, and, and trying to listen to for something, I'm like, that's not even in the mm-hmm. movie. There's not a single like, sequence in the movie that even comes close to that right. scene. Not at no. all. Right. And oh. you kind of feel like she's in this future where, like, the monsters have destroyed everything. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, not just Boston. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if there was a city that deserved it. <laughs> Hey, 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 hey. No. look, Beantown takes a beating. I'll give you that. It, and, and that was, hey, that was I, very strange for me. I just I, hope Tom Brady was home. That's all. I was, I, was, <laughs> I was, I was kind of like freaked out, but I was also kind of really proud. I was like, look, we're in the movie that we're getting destroyed. Like to be destroyed by Godzilla is an honor. Yeah, uh, I will give you that. that <laughs> there is that aspect of, hey, I know that street they're trashing. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, all the at least this was better than. Oh know, my god! Yeah. If this was if this was the Matthew Broderick one, I'd be like, no, no, that's uh, we don't want to be destroyed in that one. You know? So, so side story. Um, we were I, I went and saw uh, the Empire Strikes Back back in '97 um, in Century City, California, and uh, we were there watching it. And one of the trailers came up was for the movie Volcano. And there's a moment in the trailer in which the lava is going down the street that is in front of the movie theater that we're sitting in. <laughs> and I'm just like, that is so cool. We're not going to get back to our hotel. Why is it so hot in here? <laughs> Did they shut off the air conditioning again? So, so, but it is one of those, it's, it's that exact same thing where, where you know, they'll, they'll pick a city and they'll destroy it. And when they pick Atlanta, they just say it's Wakanda uh, or, or something of that nature, um, which is fine. You know, I don't care. We're, we're every city now. Um, but no, exactly. But yeah, it's. But it was it was interesting because I love the monster scenes in this. The monster scenes were awesome. You know, Ghidorah breaking out of the ice was awesome. And, you know, coming up out of the, you know, out of Antarctica was great. But the rest, you know, Ronin and it was cool to see the monster scenes. I'm not faulting anything. I thought it was very well done. But the people stuff, I could care less about the mother or the father or the daughter or whatever. But, you know, and, you know, oh, boy. So Atlantis was... Godzilla's home mm. and everything, but you know, hey, we got to see Godzilla's crib, man. That was awesome. Uh, and then Ken Watanabe blew it up. Then he blew exactly. it up. He blew yeah. it up. Um, I think. All right, so for me, I mean, look, I'm not an expert on on Godzilla movies. I watched uh, like you guys. I watched them uh, growing up. Um, we had a in 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 the Boston area. Actually, we had on Saturdays creature double feature, oh. and um, and so we would get we would see Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, and Rodan, and a couple of the Godzilla movies were some of my favorites. Not a big Mothra guy, never have been. Um, Gamera was also big. Um, he's one that nobody talks about now, but he's uh, he was. Definitely- I was going to say Gamera is the one that was inside Stone Mountain, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. Um, and uh, one thing that I think a lot of people like forget is that there's a lot of people moments in those. Um, they forget those because they're forgettable. So in, in a lot of cases, um, I think this is very much in the same tradition, um, but that doesn't mean it's a great thing, obviously. Um, I think it was better handled in this one than in the 2014 one, because in the 2014 one, they would tease you like, hey, 
Godzilla is is over here, but we're going to show you this guy on a train. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, that's just mean. At least, at least in this movie, it's like, no, no, he's here. We're going to take some time and we're going to show you him battle Ghidra and, and all that. And, and then we'll cut back to the people for a while because, look, it's really expensive if we make it, you know, a two-hour movie with just CGI. But um, I thought... Um, for me, the the moments with the monsters were outstanding. Like beautifully shot, beautifully rendered. There were even times where I thought it was kind of cool because it looked like there was a guy in a suit, in a Godzilla suit, and a couple of them. And I'm like, that's pretty awesome. Um, I'm not completely sold on the new Godzilla um, uh, look. look. Uh, he's kind of like that thick neck doesn't really do it for me. You don't like the thick neck Godzilla. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I'm so used to the, you know, traditional guy. Um, I'm fairly certain. I saw thick neck Godzilla open up for, um, for white stripe. <laughs> <laughs> really? I really feel like that, that happened. It, it probably did. And if it hasn't, it needs to. Um, well, I, I'm actually with you. I, I, I enjoy, the the more traditional maybe it's a guy in a rubber outfit looking Godzilla um and, and there were times when you know you kind of wished that you could see the wires for the flying scenes you know a little bit yeah i mean i like the fact that with ghidra like his heads were just crazy like there was no there was they were chaotic like like they would be flopping around if it was a rubber you know suit yeah and, yeah and um, or, they gave yeah. that same feel to it but but yet it felt um it felt still dangerous it felt natural uh, in a lot of ways because he is definitely a character of chaos yes yes um, I thought, you know, I mean, for a rendering of Ghidra, this is, this is as good as it gets. I mean, he's got some beautiful shots, like just stuff that you could like frame, uh, some of the, the shots where, where he breaks out of the ice is one. And there's just this sort of like, I don't know, like Northern light stuff going on behind him where he's uh, standing over Rodan, uh, Rodan's, uh, um, Oh, perch. on the, on the, on the mountain. Yeah. yeah. The volcano, volcano. yeah I love yeah. that. That is an yeah. awesome. Show. That is <laughs> going to be, that's going to look really cool on a t-shirt. But it was also really awesome. Anytime you saw him fly, he still had the lava behind him. It's a, yeah. it's a great heavy metal album cover. Um, yeah, it's very, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, I guess, um, yeah. I mean, like you guys said, I mean, the, 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 the people stuff didn't really interest me at all, but I kind of know that you kind of have to just get through it and just hope that the, that the monster stuff is worth it. And in this one, I, I had no doubt, uh, like the 2014 one, some of the monster stuff didn't do it for me. The, the Godzilla was fine, but the, the creature that they came up with to fight him was just, I just didn't care for the design of it. Well, I've always liked the designs of these creatures, these Japanese in these original Japanese movies over like the new, like Pacific Rim, uh, Guillermo del Toro type, type monsters and and uh you've got a couple of those here but the main ones uh which Ghidra Rodan and um uh Mothra as well as Godzilla are all too they're all like they honor I think they all honor their original designs 
Well, and one thing to consider on that, and we have to give credit to, uh, is the lighting for this yeah. film. Uh, with the original, with the 2014 Godzilla, I keep wanting to say the original Godzilla, with the 2014 uh, relaunch, uh, one of the big problems with that movie is, yes, a lot of it was you only see a portion of Godzilla. But even at the point where we got to see Godzilla, the lighting was so <laughs> dark, it made it very difficult to really get an idea of what you were seeing. And I think maybe at the time, the idea for that was based on the option of our minds are going to make it more frightening or more ominous if we don't see it outright. And there were so many complaints about it that, of course, when Kong Skull Island was done, like two minutes into the movie, it's like, you want a monkey? Here's a monkey. <laughs> you know. So I just, I think that they, they, they kind of, they may have over-rotated in that regard. And are still, like we said, we've over and over again, they're still clearly trying to find where they want to be in this universe. But with Kong <laughs> versus Godzilla clearly on the menu. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I think we're in pretty good shape. <laughs> I think oh, yeah. we're contractually obligated to mention Skull Island every five minutes. <laughs> because, man, did they, especially during the closing credits, it was like, <laughs> did you forget Skull Island? Because here's Skull Island. <laughs> Like, we have attacks <laughs> we here, 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 in Skull Island. It's yes. like, okay, uh, you know, like, oh, there's monsters here, 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 and Skull Island. Like, I was like, really? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I, think, I think even one guy, like, an extra walked by with a Skull Island t-shirt. <laughs> there, was, <laughs> I, there, there was a guy, there, there was a moment at the beginning of it where they first mentioned Skull Island. I was like, ooh, and they mentioned Kong. I was like, ooh, and about 30 minutes in, I was like, huh. <laughs> and, and then there was the hieroglyphics with Kong on it, and then Kong at the end with yeah. yeah so yeah, now, yeah. Now. I I actually wondered if we were going to see him uh, sort of show up near the end. Like I thought, oh, maybe we're going to get like a surprise where because at the at one point, you know, God, after Beantown gets destroyed, uh, Godzilla takes it pretty i mean he gets a pretty good beat down himself yeah and it's not and then mothra shows up which is awesome uh, although mothra fans are probably not happy because mothra is not coming back um, mothra got <laughs> weeded <Yeah. laughs> wow wow i now want I've never that, that as a verb before i love it that's great the one the one the one woman monster in there thank you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it was oh, a little stereotypical oh. on that one, um, but they did crown her queen. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I I thought, yeah, yeah, it's always going to be for as long as that yeah, game. that her yeah. reign lasted. Yeah, well, you know. Well, even looking at her, you were kind of like, "What's she gonna do?" Like, like I, I thought maybe she's got some power that she's going to unleash on it, but no, nah, she just kind of. Just kind of just went, went attacked well, and she did I, take her Rodan. Well, died like a leaf on the wind. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Ashley. Too <laughs> soon. Too soon. <laughs> just for the record, we have now mentioned Weedening. We have mentioned uh, uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and we've mentioned the uh, 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 Serenity. So, um, are there any other Weeden things that we need to throw out there, real quick? Oh. A major character dies. Give us, give us time. We still yeah, got about twenty minutes. We uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're not bringing up Justice League, though. I promise. 
All right. Um, something else that you liked about the movie. Bobby, we'll start with you. I, you know, uh, as much as we're talking about the humans being unforgettable, I thought Bradley Woodford was hilarious. He was really good. I was shocked to see him in here. At first, I was kind of like, is that who I, yeah. oh, it is. <laughs> and, you know, he kept the, he kept the, the, the energy level up. Well, he, the rest of them seem kind of yeah. like just dull and, and kind of, you know, like just, oh, this is like, we're trying to get through this. But he kind of adds a little bit of levity to it. And, and so it, it kind of helps. He kind of, he kind of serves the same role here that John C. Riley did in Skull Island. He's the guy that can look at this situation and go, you've got to be freaking kidding me. <laughs> yeah, right. He's the one that for the, that can say the house. He's the guy that goes, does anybody else think this is a bad yeah. idea? Yeah. You know, yeah, because you know, like I've only lived here twenty eight years. What do I know? Uh, but yeah, it's it's one of those things he can speak to the. He's the he's your guy from the audience that can go, okay, this is stupid. I'm, let's just go ahead and say we know this is stupid, but we're going to do it anyway. And right. so, but I thought his he, he's he was really funny in in doing what he was doing, and I, I think he's probably the the standout human in this for me. Yeah, I would say out of the human cast, he was he's the bright spot. Everybody else is just even as Mike said, even uh, you know, uh Millie Bobby mm-hmm. Brown is I mean, they're doing their best, you could tell, but what they have to work with, they're just just they're just all gloomy and it's just not really that compelling. <laughs> the family drama is not you know, mm-hmm. it's not compelling at all. And, and even Charles Dance, who makes who who can play one hell of a villain, that guy can choose some scenery. You know, actually. yeah, even he's not. You know, he gets kind of lost in the. You know, although I will say, just a as a separate thing, at the end of the at the end of the movie where I was at, and it, it was the final scenes have played, the screen goes dark. Someone in our theater yelled, "The North remembers," and and the entire theater burst out laughing. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah so that was a, that was our nice capper to the to the movie <laughs> um what about you ashley so the standout human character for me is i'm gonna mispronounce his name i'm terrible at name pronunciations ken wantanabe um he was a carryover i believe from the previous godzilla film and yes, um yes. i let them fight yes yeah i liked what um, we saw from his character. I wish they would have given him more to do because I think there's some really interesting possibilities with him, how he relates to the monsters, what he sees the monsters role in the natural ecosystem will be. Um, I thought this in the last one that he was more interesting than like the uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver family drama. I can't remember their characters' names, so I'm just going to keep calling them Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. <laughs> and then in this one, again, I thought he was more interesting than the family drama they were trying to create as well. And especially that really interesting moment with his, where he kind of finally gets to be face-to-face with Godzilla and kind of saves Godzilla's life. So I thought he was a really cool character. I would have liked to see him maybe be the main character and then just have more scenes of him interacting with the monsters, advocating for the monsters. But I liked what he did with what he was given, but I think he could have given been given a much bigger role. Mm-hmm. I do notice that a lot of the characters like to reach out and touch the monsters. Yeah, that wouldn't be my first thought personally. But <laughs> <laughs> there, are like, there are like at least three or four instances where 
in this then just this one movie where they either touch the ice they're encased in, touch the window they're outside of, or touch them. And I'm like, really? I'd be going the other way. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's pushing your luck a little bit here. This isn't like a petting zoo, so <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Alex, is there anything else uh, particular that uh, struck you that you liked? Uh, it could be a character. It could be anything else. I, I, uh, first of all, I applaud Ashley's uh, pick for Ken Watanabe. Uh, on another podcast, I had actually put the idea out of perhaps his character being given the Jet Jaguar role, uh, which I thought would have been perfect for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this. There was a lot that was that was done beautifully for this film there's no reason for us to we, we've already harped on on the idea that that perhaps the there was a little too much two-dimensionality for the humans but what you know what they worked with they they had and you know kyle chandler was fine in his role and interestingly enough also appeared in peter jackson's king kong mm-hmm. so there's that connection um uh, overall I, one of the things I really did like about this movie is the score for it. Um, and while there was some poking fun at the Atlantis sequence, or, or the fact that we got to see Atlantis, that was a beautiful area. Oh, yeah. Oh. That was a, a beautifully rendered area. Uh, and, and really looked sharp. But I really liked the way the music was handled in this film. They did a great job scoring it. It was It felt right in the right spots. When you have those moments of Godzilla. I almost said Kong Godzilla, you know, with his back to the wall, the music swells and it's just that right moment. And, and Mothra's poor ending with her, I guess, disintegrating would be the best way to put it. Um, That music is, is kind of haunting. So definitely think that, that the score deserves a little bit of praise there. Yeah, I was uh, going to mention that as well. Uh, Bear McCrary, who did the score yep. for this, uh, has done some amazing work. Uh, he was the main, uh, most people know him uh, probably for doing Battlestar Galactica, the, the reboot mm-hmm. uh, of the all seasons of that. And uh, he's, he's really good, and he was exceptional in this too. There's moments where whether the monsters are fighting. Um, I don't know if that's a new, I, I think he created a Godzilla theme for this, um, but it sounds, it sounded perfect. Like, Oh, that's must be his theme. Like, I, like he said, this is, his, this is the 35th movie with Godzilla in it. And, and I'm sure he's had like other, like, you know, orchestral themes. Um, I know he has, uh, I can remember the one from the cartoon in, in fact. Um, but, uh, but this, the music didn't seem like, you know, like it didn't seem like, oh, well, I would rather have that other music from that other Godzilla movie in instead. It was more like, no, this feels perfect for this. Yeah, the, the film score on this one doesn't so much play a role as you see in other films, but it does swell at the right times, mm. uh, which I think is, is an asset to it. It doesn't become an overbearing portion of the film. It, it just kind of blends in nicely, uh, it, but does its job. It, it absolutely gives you those moments of heartache, those moments of, uh, of dread. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, cause we're told fairly early on, well, Godzilla's dead, you know, and then you're kind of <laughs> like, well, okay, this movie's short. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> that's going to be yeah. awkward, you know. N- with, uh, nice swerve to the right on that one, but it's going to be awkward, you know, with the next one where Kong's like waiting, like, oh, is it just going to be a count out? Um, Kong versus, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> halfway through when Godzilla Jr. shows up. <laughs> so now Ooh. you're thinking of Donkey Kong. Anyway, I saw uh, the cartoon too. <laughs> or Godzuki, you know, don't forget that. Oh, now it's like a mixed tag match. Anyway. Oh, my goodness. Uh, All right. Yeah, uh, so yeah, but I, I think it was good. Yeah, now, now, the theater I was in also, in, in terms of the music, erupted with applause when the Godzilla song played. Yeah. yeah. yeah the Blue Oyster Cults track yeah. is one of my favorites. So, like, to hear a cover of that is always good. And I don't think it's been used that often in Godzilla movies. Right. May This might be the first time. Someone's going to get me on that, I'm sure. But uh, Well, no, because uh, the, the 2004 or the, the 98 one would have just all been Puff Daddy. Mm. That's right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, it was no Possum Kingdom Ramblers, but the, this this version is really good. Yeah. I, I do see um, there's a quote from McCary here that I see that says, for Godzilla, he did choose to incorporate and adapt uh, the legendary iconic theme. And then for Mothra, he also used uh, the immortal Mothra's tr- song from Mothra's appearance. So he does weave some of the other uh, themes from uh, iconic themes for these characters into his own. Oh, you get the original Godzilla theme. You know, it was just awesome to hear. Huh? And it was just like, ha okay, I'm happy now. Uh, anything else for you, Mike, that, uh, that you want to, uh, point out as being a, a, a great thing about the movie? I want that jet. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was pretty cool. Their, their own shield jet. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I thought they got it, you know, from shield. So, you know, I even said that it was just like, Oh wait, where's Colson in the gang? You know, it was just, I was looking for them. It was just like, it was awesome though. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Does, does, does Disney own this studio yet? <laughs> Give it a minute. Give yet. it time. Uh, Although we did manage to throw in another Colson uh, with Colson. It's another Whedon reference. Uh-huh. That's nice. <laughs> I, I did. The thing about the, the jet was cool. The thing about uh, one of the things that, that kind of struck me as funny at the end was that, you know, they were like, well, when Godzilla goes to Boston and faces him or whatever, he's going to have help or whatever. And I... fighters behind him. And I'm like, yeah. really? Those fighters are going to be like, yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, oh, you, you helped. Sure you did. Um, sure. We, we not... fired a hundred missiles. Not a single one has done a thing. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Go home. But, but this 101st missile might do the thing. <laughs> We're just softening him up for the big guy. It's one of those air sucking out missiles again. Oh man, <laughs> um, so horrible. <laughs> okay, as we as we start to wind down, are the review of it. Obviously, it's this is leading into uh, more movies from the MonsterVerse. The next one slated is uh, Kong versus Godzilla, or Godzilla versus Kong. Justice. I'm not sure which they're going to call it, but. Um, it, they they sort of allude at the end to the fact in the credits that all the monsters are heading, or a lot of the monsters are heading to Skull Island. So Skull Island it seems like it's going to be the new Monster Island. Uh, and obviously, um, I can only imagine that Kong's not going to be happy with that. Hey, this is my house. Um, for a rumble in the jungle. Not, he's not expecting company. Um, he didn't have time to prepare. Um, so, but I will say, this movie in particular... Um, Godzilla is pretty much like undefeatable. He's a nuclear bomb. I'm thinking, what the hell is Kong going to be able to do against this guy? 
Try it. I, I think they've made him too powerful. Because right. Godzilla yeah. could literally take out Kong without getting within Kong's like reach. Oh right. You know yeah. he should be able to just <laughs> zap him. <laughs> which which is ironic considering all the stubby little arms that Godzilla has. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Obviously, they're going to have to figure out a way to make it a a fight, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think they'll well, let one of them win? Well, if you stick around through the end of the credits, we do know that there's a chance for another monster to return. Yes. We do. We do. Um, interestingly enough, uh, when we see uh, Charles dance, uh, when we see the Lannister uh, grab, uh, get you know, by the head... Um, there was more than one person on the way out of the theater that was that took that to me that in the next one we're going to get Mecha Ghidra. And I was like, how did you make that assumption? <laughs> like I thought he was gonna like I thought he would clone mm-hmm. him, but then maybe, maybe put some, you know, obviously why clone him? Because obviously this one didn't get the job done. So you'd have to improve on him, and if you use a little bit of technology with him. I mean, Mecha Ghidra could yeah. be pretty dominant. You know, Godzilla bit through its neck. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, a little little chain mail, a little, you know, a little armor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. I don't, I would think that it's too early. Like, with the, do you expect him in the next movie? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of people are just expecting I mean, like a throwdown between Godzilla and yeah. Kong. Not that they, I don't know what they would have to fight right. about. But. I, to be honest, I hadn't given Mecha Gahedra uh, much thought until you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, well, I I didn't, that wasn't my first, uh, I thought, oh, he's going to clone him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea, of course, there is a history with uh, Mecha Ghidra and Mecha Godzilla. So... Uh, in fact, that that one of that fir- that first Mecha Godzilla movie is one of my favorites. Um, so I wouldn't like, yeah, I don't know if this is going to start up if it's going to be like a Marvel comic <laughs> where Godzilla and Kong like face off and they they fight each other for a while and then they fe- then they get a common foe and then they team up and fight it. Which is exactly the direction that I'm going with on this one. By the way, that's a Flash Gordon reference if we're keeping <laughs> yeah. track of all the pop culture references that were. were Which about. didn't have Joss Whedon involved. No, it's time. not a Whedon. It's not a week. <laughs> um, so yeah, you th- so you think it's going to be a team up more than a, a battle to the death? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be a lot like season two of Felicity, where. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I was either going to go that way or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, nope, I'm leaning into this one. Um, <laughs> so now we're going so, to J.J. Abrams route. Okay, I got you. Was that, was that Abrams? I'm sorry. I said, that was Abrams. You crossed oh, the man. streams, man. Crossed you the crossed the streams. streams. <laughs> but you know what? If we're going to cross the streams, let's just get <laughs> Cyberdyne to build Mecha. <laughs> and and just go full bore crazy with it. No, I expect, uh, I expect it'll be a case where you have Godzilla and Kong throwing down and then teaming up to I I don't know fight a uh, fight Doomsday, <laughs> um, all the crossovers in one movie. Like, I don't know. Kong will mention something about Martha, and then <laughs> so we're gonna need subtitles for this new movie. Okay, <laughs> yes, no people. Wouldn't that be great? No people at all. Just, just monsters with subtitles. 
<laughs> oh, this is deteriorating real fast. <laughs> nice timing, though. I mean, if it's going to deteriorate at this point, we might as well let it deteriorate here. Oh, yeah. I, I think we have st- said all we can about Godzilla King of the Monsters, uh, except for the final rating. So we'll start with you, Bobby. What? Where do you rate it? One to five. I'm going to give it a four. I just had a blast with it. This, you know, it was uh, it was everything I expected and everything I wanted, and I was, I was very happy. Awesome. Ashley? Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half. It would be closer to this, a three, but the monster fights were just so fun and amazing that I'm going to have to bump it up to three and a half. Um, I did end up seeing this one in IMAX, and it was great seeing the monsters Ooh. fight on a really big screen. So that that part was a lot of fun. Alex? Um, three uh, giant dragon heads. On this one, um, I, I enjoyed myself. It is a funnel cake movie. If you're going in just looking to have a fun time at the theaters, this is going to be a good one. You can cheer in the right places, you can clap in the right places, you can laugh in the right places. Um, I, I think everybody did what they were supposed to do on this film. This was not going to be a movie that was going to change the universe, but it was entertaining. Mike? Um, three and a half. It was fun, it was entertaining, but. I saw it. I don't need to see it again. And uh, and I'm going to go with four, um, just because I think yes, uh, the, the the human stuff was uh, kind of dull, but the more the the monster stuff more than made up for it, and it was excellent, excellent. Like if it was just the mo- if we have the 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 Ashley cut, I'm going to call it um, <laughs> of the movie where you take out just show the monster stuff, then that's that that would be a five. Well, that's a 10. Come on. Be true. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And uh, we will be back with another movie that opened this week uh, with featuring a big giant monster. Um, uh, we'll be back with that next week with Rocket Man. But uh, in the meantime, stay tuned for the ESO Network comic I think Elton had the bigger ego, truthfully. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to a Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about One Punch Man Season 2. So, I started watching the anime One Punch Man in its second season. So far, this show is as ridiculous as the first season. You have Saitama, a hero who is the strongest man in the world, yet when he took his hero training exams, he was put in the lowest level of heroes. Because those tests did not show him as being as strong as he actually is. You also have his friends who are back for the second season, who knows Saitama's strength, even though his friends were put in the hero levels above him saying that they're stronger, and they fully support this amazingly strong hero, knowing his extreme potential and just how powerful he is. This season focuses on a human who has decided they want to be a monster. And this character goes around killing or attacking as many heroes as he can to prove that he is the most powerful monster, even though he is actually a human. It's really confusing. This show has a lot of funny moments and some great fights in it. The characters make you laugh and occasionally also scratch your head since sometimes they do silly stuff. If you've never heard of One Punch Man, I would suggest watching the first season. I think it's on Netflix still. And checking out the second season, which is on Crunchyroll. 
It's a really good anime to watch and laugh, and while also getting some great stories and fight scenes, too. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Hey everyone, for the week of June 8th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report! Well, the uh, one show that we've got left in June that you can find ESO Network folks at is Heroes Con, and that is uh, June 14th through the 16th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, It is a great comic show. If you are into comics, you must, must consider going to this one, and uh, it's a fun show. I haven't been there for a few years, but I will be there. Uh, My exact schedule, I don't have a table, so my exact schedule is up for up in the air, so... Uh, if you uh, are going to Heroes or think about going to Heroes, uh, reach out to me because uh, I'd like to meet up and say howdy. Um, but uh, we will, uh, I will be there. Um, and there'll be some other friends of the station there as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be good to see everybody at Heroes. It's been too long. Um, and then July, we've got actually two events that are coming up in July. And one is called the Atlanta Comic Con, which is a three-day event, June, uh, sorry, July 12th through the 14th. Uh, Mike and I will actually be there on Saturday participating in some panels. Uh, so uh, more information on that to come. And then July 28th is the one-day show, the Atlanta Comic Convention. And that is uh, Mike and I will be, we won't have a table there. Uh, we won't be doing panels there either, um, but we'll be hanging out and uh, talking to people. So uh, it's always a good show to catch up with a lot of friends. Uh, the uh, award-winning Bobby Nash, uh, who's on this podcast, will be at that show as well. So I um, uh, hope to see you at one of those shows in June and July. A lot of them are comic-oriented, and you know what? Uh, I wouldn't have it any other way because I uh, love comics. I love comic conventions and just like any other convention. So we want to hear about the ones that you want to rant and rave about. We want to help promote the ones that you're uh, putting together. So please feel free to contact us because we love talking about conventions. We do. We do. <laughs> So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Air Station One podcast. Let's thank our guests for being here. Bobby, thank you so, so much. Oh, my pleasure. This was a lot of fun. I have missed being up here on the station. Dude, you know you always have an open invitation to come. Oh, thank you, thank you. We'll have to get back sooner rather than later. You want to tell about the contest one more time? Yes, yes, one more time. We are giving away uh, the audio book, uh, Snow Series 1, Volume 1, which features... The audiobooks for three books in the Snow series, Snowfalls, Snowstorm, and Snow Drive. We are also giving away an ebook of Snowfalls. Uh, all you have to do is, if you've listened to this episode, is email me at bobby at bobbynash.com, uh, which will be in our show notes as well. Um, email me and tell me that you, 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 want, you want some snow, you know. 
And, well, maybe we should refer and find another yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, you may and, want to. Mm, the, yeah. the DEA might be listening now. But just mention that you, you know, say, I, I want, I want my free snow, and um, I will take all of the people who uh, send in uh, uh, entrance, and we will pull a winner, and we will announce it here on next week's show. Fantastic, fantastic. So we will definitely, you know. When is the last time moment they can send it to you? Um, when does this? When will the show be out? This show will be out to the general public on Friday. Um, well, it would have to. Uh, let's go through through um, Sunday night, Monday morning. Okay, uh, that's awesome. Because we record this on you know Monday. We record this on so. Monday, and it goes it goes out to the patrons on wednesday and then it goes out to the general public yeah. on friday there you go so yeah so let's do that uh, through sunday um uh, if you do it if you get it to me by by monday morning uh you can be in for the running i'll draw it monday evening and we'll do a little bit for uh to announce on next week's show so later than monday the 10th at noon eastern yes that, that works and then i will draw it we'll do a little little uh recording bit and it can be it can you would then we'll then find out the winner on next friday's show Fantastic. Thank you again, sir. My pleasure. Thank you. And Alex. Thank you, as always. Great to great to get the opportunity. You, one of the great things about ESO is that it always has a good bunch of folks, uh, uh, just not only from its core, but anytime they bring on some extra folks to get to talk movies. And everyone just kind of enjoys themselves and has a great time, but also has a real good idea of what they want to talk about. So that's always a Oh, very much so. Alex, it's always great having you on the show. And, you know, you're always so positive, and it's great. And, dude, you've done amazing with the DDT yoga. DDP, yeah. I, I've, I've really um, been, a, been an interesting ride, So, uh, but it's still a long process. <laughs> yeah. The, D- oh, yeah. the DDT helps you lose weight in a whole different whole way. Different yeah. way. That, it yeah. explodes it right off your body. It's awesome. Yes. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. bring that back. Bring, that, bring back the pain. Anything you want to shout out about? I want to give a real quick. This is weird. I don't because uh, I don't know anybody who's doing it. But I want to give a real quick shout out to the cast members of Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland because that area just opened up this past weekend, and it had to be a nightmare. It had to be a zoo, and they made it through. They did it. They have created the largest expansion of a Disney theme park ever. And the reviews coming out of it are fantastic. And a lot of that is credit to the cast members that are there that are giving it a real immersive experience. So in all honesty, if you happen to be a member of the Disneyland cast and you're hearing this, kudos to you. Congratulations. That is awesome. And Ashley. Oh, thank you. I always love getting to chat movies with you guys. Oh, it's always great having you on. Anything you want to shout out about? Um, Yeah, just that um, I'm continuing to write movies throughout the summer. Um, was so busy this weekend, I had to do a combo uh, Godzilla and Rocket Man review because we've got more new movies coming this weekend, too. So lots of good stuff going on and uh, definitely a good time to go to the theater. No, that is very, very true. And you, your stuff is awesome. All oh, the time. thank you. It's and always it's fun to read. 
we always get a lot of compliments about, oh, we love Ashley's reviews. And it's like, what about the rest? Oh, there's other stuff? <laughs> oh, <aw. laughs> Well, I will write about movies given any excuse to do so. So thanks for giving me a space to do that. Oh, you always have space with us. Well, especially, you know, unless you keep on writing for that other people. We're not naming. That's what <laughs> so you guys, as I always say, ESO was my first love. So I'm not going to forget about you guys. I Aww. have plenty of content to write about. So as many opportunities as I have to write about geek stuff, I can find material. As we all like to say, the more you can get out there, the better. So it's yes. awesome. It is awesome. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. We and you know the station's a little roughed up. Uh, not as bad as Beantown got, but uh, but you know we we did okay with all these egos, these high <laughs> Joe level egos. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I wonder who had the largest one there, but um, no comment. Excuse me, I'm still in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. Um, I actually meant to, to mention this uh, much earlier, but uh, things got kind of crazy with some of the stuff on, for the show and everything. But um, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a, a, a friend, a, a colleague, if you will, um, that I'm familiar with uh, seeing at a lot of shows, uh, Joe, uh, he went by the, the name Salsa King, Martin, uh, passed away. And uh, last week, um, a lot of the musicians uh, that uh, Joe was a supporter of many independent musicians and artists in the area. Um, great, just, great lover of music. Absolutely. He would, and great lover of independent music. Uh, he was always going to shows like almost every, every other night he was at a different show. Uh, some of his favorites were uh, the Possum Kingdom Ramblers and the uh, Psycho DeVille's and among many others. And uh, um, anyway, he passed away a couple of weeks ago and uh, a lot of musicians got together at a uh, barbecue place in Marietta called Hog and Ale and uh, had a night of uh, memorial honoring him uh, playing a lot of uh, there was over 14 musicians and groups uh, playing that night. And uh, Possum Kingdom Ramblers were among them. Uh, Ballad Brian, props to him for helping organize it and put it together. Uh, the Throckmorton Ukulele Band, when Ukuleles Attack was there. Uh, also, um, Hot Rod Walt of the Psycho DeVilles was there. And, uh, and Joe was there. Uh, we know Joe was there. There was a lot of love there. It was an amazing night. We raised a lot of money and um, uh, enough money that... Uh, the uh, uh, there's going to be uh, in Joe's name. There's going to be a kid that's going to be able to attend uh, the School of Rock for uh, to get music lessons. Um, and the School of Rock is uh, was willing to match whatever we came up with that night, and we came up with quite a bit. So there might even be a couple kids. So and I know that Joe would have been really happy with that. So um, a lot of love that night. So I just wanted to give everybody who participated in that, everybody who was there, a shout out. Fantastic. Awesome, awesome. Uh, my shout-out is a mini-review real quick. I uh, want to give a shout-out. Judy and I watched a TV show called Russian Doll. It's on Netflix. It is basically Groundhog Day, but instead of, you know, you basically relive one evening over and over again because you die at the end of the evening in a different way. And it is a great TV series. They're only 30 minutes each, and I think there was only eight episodes. 
uh, definitely worth checking out and it's a ton of fun and it's just it was a great find and if you ever get a chance and you have some extra time <laughs> uh, the actress they have as the lead is very familiar to a lot of people who watch Orange and Black or American Pie and so it was just it's very well written it's very well acted it's it's listed as a comedy of all things on netflix but i found it you know very intriguing very fantasy very you know you know drama even it was just really well done all the way around so definitely check out you know russian doll definitely recommend it we're going to get out of here now and we are going to be talking about movies again next week when we look at rocket man but just not talking about rocket man we're also going to be looking at the career of elton john so it should be a lot of fun we got some great people lined up for that episode so we will see you here next time on the earth station one podcast peace and we're done Ta-da. you've been listening to the earth station one podcast a show by fans for fans if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Thank you.